Welcome to Do Better Politics. My name is Billy Kobe. If you like what you hear, or even if you don't, please subscribe to the show. We are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically wherever podcasts are being heard. Please don't forget the hashtag when searching for Do Better Politics on your favorite podcast carrier. Yesterday, history was made with a landmark Supreme Court case having to do with college athletics with the National Collegiate Athletic Association versus Alston decision. And while we'll go in depth about this decision and the upcoming name, image, and likeness laws, otherwise known as NIL, in a future episode airing soon, I bring this case up now to set the stage to talk about a subject that personally I wanted to talk about on here since the show started, and that is the game. In the first Do Better Politics roll call, I talked about political parties as manipulators. No more code. We're going all the way in this episode. Now, what exactly is the game? Well, it's an abstract concept, but what I can say is that it's all around us. It governs everything we do how we think about each other and the world, and how we interact with one another. In short, it encompasses everything. The game has economic and social psychological implications. The game itself is too expansive to cover extensively here. But for now, let's talk about how it influences how we relate to each other and how it's being employed by our two major political parties. On this podcast previously, we've talked about how wealth and resource distribution in this country is zero-sum, meaning simply, I have because you do not. The National Collegiate Athletic Association and its relationship with its student-athletes is a great example of this. There have been many books and articles written about this relationship that frame it as a slave-master-slave type of relationship. And I won't go quite there with my description of it, but I won't mince words either. It's the same relationship that our major political parties have with its voters. The best way these relationships can be described, honestly, is pimp and prostitute. And I understand the implications of that description and how this relationship is a very exploitative one. And that's exactly what I mean by it. Student-athletes make money for their institutions with returns that aren't even close to being scaled with their contributions. When they try to get more, the school gets rid of them. At best, they can look to find this exploitative relationship at another institution. The Democrats and Republicans have the same type of exploitative relationship with its voter base. One specializes in making you feel like trash so you're more dependent on them, The other gasses you up with compliments so much that you can't see them taking you for a ride. They want your vote and your money. And what do you get back from them? I don't know how you choose to answer that question, but the overall point is the relationships are exploitative and manipulative. So let's see this metaphor in action. This past week, Senate Republicans successfully filibustered the For the People Act a progressive piece of legislation that aimed to do such things as end gerrymandering and make Election Day a federal holiday. 
The bill was created to offset the action by various state governments that have passed voter reform laws aimed at restricting the rights of voters. Now, if we view the situation from the ground level, it shows that the Democrats are trying as hard as they can to get this legislation passed. But when we view this from the 50,000 foot level, it shows that liberal voters are being taken for a ride again. Now, what I mean by 50,000 feet is similar to how in a plane you can see entire cities and states from that level. We can see all the previous actions leading up to what happened this week. This past November, the Democratic Party did everything they could to get people of color out to the polls. They said to people of color, you matter to us. Your issues are American issues. You are important to us. We will do everything we can to see your issues get solved. And it worked, frankly. People of color, especially black Americans, showed up and helped deliver a victory for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Biden thanked black Americans specifically on the night the duo clinched the victory and said he would have their backs. So how's that going? How are Biden and the Senate Democrats thanking people of color? They're doing it by putting forth a bill that had no chance of going through the Senate just to say that they did. What they're saying right here is, look at us, we're working for you. We have your back. We're doing everything we can to see that your issues get resolved. It's not our fault we couldn't get it passed, but just keep voting for us and we'll keep trying. In my opinion, the Democratic Party is making promises to its voters that they have no intention of keeping, but promises that keep the voters on the hook, that keep the voters hoping for more, that keep the voters hoping for a better relationship, hoping for a little more reciprocity. But this is the game. There's no more reciprocity to be had, just the hope. That's how the game works. Republican voters have an exploitative situation on their hands as well, as they're currently being led by a politician who never misses an opportunity to make money on his supporters. From his statement in 2016, I love the poorly educated, to campaign-style rallies during his tenure as POTUS, to him announcing this past week that he's going on tour with Bill O'Reilly. Republican voters have been taken for an expensive ride. How is this politician able to squeeze so much money out of his voters? Well, that's easy. He appeals to their sense of fear about the unknown. He says things like, I am a real American. You are real Americans. But those people over there... They're not real Americans. They're stealing real American jobs. They're taking up real American space. Support me so I can get these fake Americans out of here. Now, the up-close view may see these developments as normal political chatter, but from the 50,000-foot view, these actions come across as a continuing pattern of exploitation. But then again, this is the game. 
the way this works is that you fear not being with this person more than you fear the unknown. At that point, they will do anything they can for him to stay. They'll go to his rallies. They'll buy his red hats. They'll even fund his 2024 re-election campaign. The game is the game. Stay tuned. The Do Better Politics Roll Call is next. Here is this week's Do Better Politics Roll Call. Number one, American Airlines. According to reports, American Airlines has canceled more than 900 flights through mid-July. The company cites a number of reasons as to why they've canceled these flights. Among them, according to CNBC, are staffing shortages, maintenance, and other issues that have arisen as demand grows for their services. This is more ridiculousness from a major business who, instead of modifying the way they do business, want to blame the employee market for their shortcomings. There were other options they could have explored other than canceling the flights. Time and a half usually works. Compensate your employees better and you will see them come out in droves. Instead, they chose to try to sell us this nonsense. American Airlines, you must do better. Number two, Portland, Oregon. This could be a number of major cities in this slot, but according to a very well-written article in the Washington Post from June 12th by Eli Saslow, Portland, Oregon has started the process of relocating its homeless. To where? Nowhere in particular, just not where they are, just not visible. The pandemic has taken its toll economically on millions of people, some of whom have unfortunately lost their residences and have been forced to live in homeless camps. In Portland, the amount of homeless camps has grown exponentially since before the pandemic. I promise that this podcast will dive into this subject a lot deeper in the future, but for now, with housing protections set to expire at the end of the month, and a lot of people facing evictions and foreclosures, cities will be faced with these decisions more and more. We are all too bad or negative decisions away from being in the worst possible place we could ever imagine. And this is a time for compassion, not for relocation. City of Portland, Oregon, you must do better. Number three, National Collegiate Athletic Association. We will save the details of the recent court case and finer points of the name, image, and likeness or NIL conversation for another episode, but what we will say here is this. NCAA President Mark Emmert has stated publicly this week that he would like to have the NCAA come up with temporary guidance with regard to NIL before July 1st when a number of states' NIL laws will go into effect. The NCAA has had the better part of a year to come up with rules for NIL, and they drug their feet. Now they are rushing to get something on paper, and historically that has meant the student-athlete loses. The easiest way forward for the NCAA is to scale back most, if not all, the restrictions on college athletes' ability to make money on themselves. But we know they won't do that. Hopefully, the state and federal governments force them to. 
NCAA, you must do better. That has been this week's Do Better Politics Roll Call. Thank you for listening to Do Better Politics. Once again, if you like what you hear, or even if you don't, please subscribe to the show. We are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, basically wherever podcasts are being heard. And please don't forget the hashtag when searching for Do Better Politics on your favorite podcast carrier. See you next week. 